<sighs> All right, Anne. Well, here we go. It is, twas the night before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas. <laughs> And all through the, I could do the whole thing. I won't do it. I won't do it. It is. And I hope that everyone is gathered around the fireplace listening to this podcast. It can be a new Christmas Eve tradition. Yes. Get out the, what is it? The Yule log? (laughs) Burn the Yule log. (laughs) Get your nog. Do you drink eggnog on Christmas? You know, I feel like eggnog is something I would like. I feel like no one ever, I'm never in a house that has it. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like offering up nog. Although Nicholas likes just straight up nog. Like he'll, once in a while, we'll buy it like in the container. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I, I believe I've tried it once. It's almost like drinking ice cream. I mean, it's, it's so rich. Oh, it's full dessert. Yeah. 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 So I can't imagine not liking it really. I don't think I've ever been anywhere like, you know, where you see movies where people have a big punch bowl full of nog. <laughs> I've never experienced the punch bowl of nog. No, no. Nor would I want to. I don't think I'd want a punch bowl of anything dairy based. I I would agree. Cause you can't stay out anyway, right? It has to stay I cold. Shouldn't. I wouldn't think you'd want it to stay out. No. You don't want, you don't want a lukewarm nog. And I feel like that's, <laughs> that's what would be offered up. I feel like that's going to ruin your Christmas morning. <laughs> what did it? It was the lukewarm nog. Well, you know, and we got in the Christmas spirit here. And this week we are going to review a film with later on called, of course, Christmas Evil. <laughs> It wouldn't be It's a Wonderful Life for this podcast. No. Christmas Evil is also a classic. Classic. I I mean, a classic film. And we're going to have a wonderful guest. Another exciting get. Yeah. Um, One of my closest friends for a million years. My, um, one of my best friends, Aaron Augenblick. He's married to Stevie, my best friend who was on the Reality Bites episode, as everyone can recall. That's right. And you have some impressive contacts. I feel like I'm bringing you down. <laughs> <laughs> the old Rolodex. The old, I actually have a Rolodex. Do you? Oh yeah, I'm sure that I wish I did. Me. I wish I had one of those ones, like in the old timey days. Yeah, I have, well, that's, that's how I do my Christmas cards. I go back to the, back to the Rolodex. All right, Anne. Well, without much further ado, I should say this. I am Chrissy. And I'm Anne. <laughs> and I'm Anne's best friend. Yeah, you still are because it's Christmas Eve. It's still December. That's right. And this is That's Outrageous, the podcast where we discuss life's oddities and, of course, the things we find outrageous. Yes. Outrageously good, outrageously bad. That's right. Um, and in this, that's right. And in the spirit of Christmas this weekend, I was thought I would try to go for stories that are, are, um, emblematic of the human spirit. (laughs) Celebrating (laughs) the human condition. The human condition. Thank you. Which, which actually means, I think I'm going to save this story about smoking marijuana in San Francisco for maybe the new year. Oh, well, maybe, maybe it doesn't go with the theme. We'll see. Um, but the first story I found, Anne, was so sweet. Um, I know that you yourself are a dog lover. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is what happened. Um, I'm just trying to see where this, oh, Alabama in Alabama. Okay. Uh, so this woman, her name is June Roundtree. I like that name, June Roundtree. Yeah, she said I can picture. I'm picturing her in my mind's eye, and I imagine her like baking a pie. And yeah, me. yes. Well, she, yeah, because she's a 60 year old woman in uh, Alabama, and her and her husband lost their dog. <gasps> like lost it, like it died, or lost it, like it ran away. It, well, yeah. So, so uh, on November eighth, she realized that the dog was missing when she went into the backyard of her house, uh, and instead of seeing her four-year-old black and white dog, she was horrified to only see the dog's name is Abby. Abby's collar and leash, which was secured to a ground stake. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there, though, and say this. Right. And I hate to generalize because it's okay. Alabama, but it's one, I mean, it sounds like it's one of those households where it's like they leave the dog outside the whole time and the dog doesn't come in. I could be wrong, June, and I apologize if I am, but I am not on board with when like people don't let their dogs inside. I, well, I don't know, but I think you might be wrong, Anne. I think you might be wrong. I Because um, otherwise I'd say, keep running, dog. Keep running. Keep running. No. Somebody else um, will find you and you can sleep on their couch. Well, they looked for three weeks for Abby and Oof. they were losing hope. This is the, the weirdest part or the best part, I should say. Okay. So June works as a cashier at Walmart. Okay. And she was working her regular shift on November 28th. So that was what, 20 days later, right? Yep. She heard a commotion and looked up and saw a dog inside the store over by the ice machine. I don't know why that necessary detail but <laughs> and people were trying to catch it as it ran around and she said it can't be and realized it was her dog wow yes and so um she said she called her by her name and she ran to me i bent over and hugged her i completely lost it then i couldn't speak i was in complete shock and couldn't believe it and then, of course, the staff is confused as to what's happening because why would they even think that she had lost then, her dog for three weeks? And then she got fired because she was <laughs> lazing on the job. <laughs> no. So, uh, so then people in the store were like clapping and taking pictures and Aww. sharing them on Facebook. And uh, she says she has no idea where Abby had been for the past several weeks or how she managed to track down, track her down. Um, she says, never in a million years. So I think she'd show up at Walmart, which you can imagine. Um, but the Walmart where she works is about a mile and a half from her home. And she's worked there for the last 10 years. Um, the dog had never been inside the store. The Roundtree had brought her to the parking lot and woods behind the store several times. So the, this psychology professor uh, and author of the canine science author and director of the Canine Science Collaboratory at Arizona State University Whoa. Yeah, That's a offered, offered his theory, which was, I suspect the dog was roaming around somewhere at random until it stumbled upon a familiar location. I think it is perfectly plausible and very likely that this dog was distressed and upset and trying to find home. A dog's navigation isn't perfect, but it does recognize certain important large landmarks. Um, and he said, dogs wander off in the heat of the moment, whether they spot a squirrel or food, but they have a tremendous connection and powerful emotional bond with their people. 
Um, and so he, that's his theory is that she sort of recognized the Walmart and um, went in. Oh, I was thinking maybe the dog was following her scent somehow. Oh, well, that would be interesting too. Well, maybe we'll the dog, the dog ran out of dog food and was thirsty <laughs> went to the ice machine. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You don't know what goes on in a dog's mind, but isn't that so nice? Three that weeks is. later. I'm glad they're reunited. They're reunited. And actually I will say, um, there is a photo of them inside the home. Oh, good. Okay. All right, June. Congratulations. I always, I love those stories where it's like the cat comes back after a year and it like traveled, you know, 300 miles. There's yeah. always those, those animals. They just, they somehow make it back. Yes. Well, good for you, June. And what was the dog's name? Abby. Good for you, June and Abby. June and Abby have been reunited. So sweet. That's wonderful. And in, in time for Christmas, which I think is so nice. Yes. Um, all right, Anne. Well, here's another sort of uh, human kindness story. Um, <laughs> human kindness. <laughs> human kindness, I guess you call it. Uh, a South Carolina couple recently moved into their home and found a cache of rare coins worth about $25,000. I, so I wouldn't know... I wouldn't know what a coin would be worth. Yeah, I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, any, and well, I'll say that they closed on their house in mid-October and were in the process of moving in when they discovered two cases of coins. Oh, maybe this is why. From the 1800s in a built-in closet drawer. So they oh, so it feels like it was in like an official location. Yeah, and I guess if you see the date in the 1800s, you must know that it was I don't something. know. I'm telling you, I think that people always think, and that's why we all hold on to junk, or like, we have paintings. I, everybody always thinks that you're holding on to, you know, you watch Antiques Roadshow. Everybody thinks they're holding on to a fortune. Yeah. And then the person's always like, this is worth $3. All the I, time. I mean, nine times out of 10, you have garbage. Yeah. Probably true. Well, and oh, I will say when I was, uh, before I was married, I lived in an apartment at the South Street Seaport. Did I ever tell you this? That had this large safe in it. No. <gasps> Did you try to crack it? Well, we used, I used to just randomly go by and try to do the combination. It had been there for, like it predated us. It, we, it, we left it there. It was like, it was this, it was like five foot tall, like safe. Oh my God. You didn't get a um, stethoscope and you put it up to the thing and try to do the click, click, click. I was honestly afraid because that was at the South Street Seaport before they cleaned it up. I was like, what if there's like a dead body in here, like from the mob or something? I feel like you would smell it. It would eventually seep through, wouldn't it? Well, I think, well, I'm just saying it was so old. It could be like, I was afraid we were going to open it and find bones like or something. bones. <gasps> yeah. That's an exciting adventure. It was. Every now and then I'd try to crack it, but <laughs> otherwise we would just put stuff on top of it. But no dice. No dice. Um, but anyway, so, so these people said it looked real old and, and it looked like it was worth a lot of money. So they took pictures of it and texted it to the former owner to see if he recognized them. And sure enough, uh, the guy was like so happy and he, the, the home's former owner is a coin collector. He came by to pick up his forgotten property. He said most of his collection is kept in a safe, but he had forgotten about the cases stashed in the drawer when he was moving out of the house and said that they were worth $25,000. Hope he tossed them a couple of coins, literally. 
Yeah, he said he just thanked me because he said there's not many too many honest people out there. Well, there aren't, but it's like he totally should give him a coin or two. Yeah, a little well or some money just to be like thank you for 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 finding this. Yeah, so they were such honest people. They returned the coins. Well, that's good karma for them. But yeah. they should have also gotten some cash. They maybe should have gotten a little reward. Would you return the coins? Yeah, yeah. I would. Because you don't too. know, I mean, especially with old stuff, like you don't know, even if it technically isn't worth anything, it could have been like really sentimental or, you know, you don't need that on your conscience. That's true. That's true. I don't know. You know, I think actually part of me kind of thinks like, oh, would I even think anything of it? <laughs> yeah. Like, I also wonder if I'd be like, oh, what's this? Moving on. I get where, like, I even feel bad. Like, you know, sometimes you'll find money on the ground, you know, like yeah. a 20 or whatever. And I'm always like, and create this entire tale in my mind that it was like the person who lost it, it was their last $20. And I create yeah. this horrible story where I'm almost crying about how this person now doesn't have the money and they needed it. And then I get, and then I am guilt ridden and then I'll have this 20 and then I go, well, I guess I should pick it up because then someone else is going to pick it up. But then what if that person needs, it's a whole thing. And then I'm like, why did I even pass this $20? And you don't pick it up. I usually will, but then I'll like give it to a, like, if I see a homeless person or I'll, I'll try to like pay it forward in some way. Wow. Like I usually don't just pocket it and spend it. I don't know. I feel like I I just feel, I don't know. I invent full, full stories in my mind. Well, I will say, I don't think I've, I very rarely find paper money, but if I find change, I just take it and think it's a happy day. Well, they say that the the coins are a sign from uh, people who have died. Usually it's like a sign from. Did did they tell you that in your latest crystal reading? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like if it's a coin has a certain date on it, you know, like a certain year or some people like people leave them dimes or penny. Like it's, that's a big thing. Coins. Coins. All right. Yeah. I'll, like if you find something that. random, find a coin randomly in the street, you're thinking about something or someone and you see it, that's supposed to be a sign. Oh, coins, birds, anything that has sonar. How does coins have sonar? I don't know about the coins, but birds. <laughs> I'm telling you because they can deal they deal with like electromagnetic waves wavelengths they spy you they they signal you out they're the the energy from wherever is able to corral it within the, within the bird i don't know chrissy it's science i just know wow. that's what happens all right I'll so if it. you see a bird out your window it could be somebody coming to visit i have so many birds i can't even tell you I must have a lot of dead people who want to get in touch with me. <laughs> See? All right, Anne. And our last story, I know that you're going to find this outrageous. I know you're going to find, everyone finds it outrageous. Oh. It is an outrageous story. You just got to stick it through to the end. Okay. And then have you're an op- still going to find it outrageous. Have an open mind. Well, I, I know you're going to stop me. I'm not even going to get through it. But- okay. I'll stop you halfway through. Okay. Maybe but, I won't. Let's but say. it does. Okay. I, I, okay. Well, anyway. Well, this is uh, Arkansas. We had had Alabama, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and now Arkansas. It's, it's a Southern Christmas. Southern Christmas, yeah. Uh, so this man, Chris Kennedy, and his four-year-old daughter, Emily, adorned their front lawn in North Little Rock, Arkansas, with Christmas decorations in early November, as they do every year. 
they strung twinkly white lights along the rim of their home and stationed an inflatable Christmas tree and a towering black Santa on the lawn next to a colorful illuminated sign that reads joy. Okay. Then on November 23rd, Chris Kennedy checked his mailbox and was stunned to find an anonymous racist letter attacking the seven foot black Santa on the lawn. I mean, the minute you told me it was a black Santa, I'm like, racists are coming through for the holidays, (laughs) spreading joy to everyone that's white. Yeah. Yeah. So the letter said, I shouldn't even read this really. No. You know what? You know what? Who even cares what the letter says? Because that person's okay. a fucking loser. Right. And I loser. hope that they are the ones that lost their last $20. And guess what? If I found their $20, I would rip it up in front of them. And say, guess oh. what? Nothing, you useless piece of garbage. Yes, for sure. Well, so this was a, a nasty letter sent to this man. Yeah. Demand, essentially demanding that he take down the black Santa. Furious that, by the mere thought that Santa could be black. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes. So um, he also, in in the letter, he included an image of a white Santa Claus with two thumbs pointing down. As you can see, the fictional character is clearly white. (laughs) This character we've invented, as you know. Yes. So this man, to to his credit, he took to Facebook. Why I think this is why I'm not on Facebook. But anyway, he started a live stream on Facebook and uh, he basically said this is a, he basically described the situation and this is the letter that I tried, that that I received in the mail. Um, And basically he says it's very disheartening because it's holiday time and we're in a pandemic. He said he put up his Black Santa for the last three years. Yeah, nobody ever had a problem with Black Santa before. No one ever had a problem. That he had heard of anyway. Yes, and he was very hurt by this whole thing. And he and his wife were wondering if this was the right environment to raise their daughter. No. (laughs) Where are they? Alabama? No. Arkansas. Arkansas? No. Here's the thing. You have to wonder what is wrong or how much of a loser you have to be in life that you were so outraged by something as fucking dumb as a Santa yeah. that you take the time to write a letter and then deliver it to the person. Like what kind of loser? Well, and also, and, and, and I have to say, if you send a letter like that, you should sign your name, but of course they did right. sign, sign your name. fucking name coward. Yeah. Didn't sign their name. And it was a typed letter. There was, a Oh God, I hate people. So anyway, well, okay, Anne, let's get the holiday spirit back. We're going to get the holiday spirit back. At, you know what I would do? I'd get some fucking coal and I would go to that motherfucker's house well, and I would is. break every window with <laughs> the coal and then I would go into their house and I would beat them with the coal, a bag of coal. Well, if only, if, if only you could <laughs> unleash that violence, but unfortunately <laughs> we don't know who it is. It was anonymous. <laughs> Well, guess what? It's a street in Arkansas. I think if you went to every other house, you probably hit somebody who uh, might have sent that letter. No offense, Arkansas. No, and not so fast. All right, so here's what happened. So after he shared the letter on Facebook, he received a torrent of messages from his neighbors, from his actual neighbors, um, expressing outrage by the whole thing. Then what did the neighbors do, Anne? I was going to say every neighbor but one. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't. Well, the, anyway. the one the one that didn't turn the lights on, like, was, 
<laughs> you're like, oh, so it was Tommy. Well, slowly but surely, black Santas became began popping up one by one on the lawns of his neighbors. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. Yes, Chip Welch, age 70, was one of the first to put a black Santa on his front lawn after seeing the story on a neighborhood bulletin board. He had been outraged, and he said, we were all pretty concerned about it, and we decided it would be poetic for everyone to get black Santas. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, and then it started spreading around the community. (gasps) So, and then there's a board of directors of the Neighborhood Association and everyone was like asking people where they could get them. And then people were taking pictures of themselves. Of course, I will say the family that put up the Black Santa uh, are people of color. And then it seems like all of their neighbors are white people. So they were all posting pictures of themselves with their Black Santas in solidarity with um, this couple. Well, I like that part. I think that's yeah. Really and they said so many neighbors have ordered Black Santas that retailers are running low. Well, I was going to say, like, I wonder how many black Santas, the black Santa to white Santa ratio in, like, yeah. your local Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they do have a picture of the street, and you can see, and they're all very, the other thing is, you know, they're, like they said, I think, what did they say at the beginning? They're seven feet tall. They're very large. That's um, a big Santa. Wait, they can't be seven, because I see it next to this man. Maybe it's six It could feet be. Tall. They have those giant, you know, those giant inflatables yeah yeah so isn't it it's a bad story that has a nice ending black santa lane black santa in uh arkansas well i like that part merry christmas to you yes merry christmas family to all of them see one rotten apple doesn't have to spoil the bunch that's true i'm still really mad <laughs> <laughs> of course you should be mad but it ha- but at least the people rallied around them yeah Okay. That's nice. It's a good up. That's nice. it ends on an upbeat note. It is. And let's now bring it down or I shouldn't not <laughs> not that not that I want to negatively um introduce your friend, but we're going to bring it down with Christmas evil or one would say bring it way up. Well, Aaron will certainly I'm sure say that. Yes, it's his favorite I think it's I mean it's his favorite holiday film. Great. Well, Anne, let's let's get right to him. Let's do it. So it's very exciting because we have another big guest this week. Big a big get for my PR machine, which was just me texting. And I was very lucky because our big <laughs> guest is one of my best friends. So I was able to easily procure him for the podcast. <laughs> I didn't know that's what we were doing. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> doing so i'm gonna introduce aaron augenblick and i'm guess i'm gonna go through your through your credentials but yeah. he um <laughs> my, my management I, company I, sent all my bio yeah I, I had your people call my people but um so aaron is uh runs his own animation studio and has since 1999 True. wait how old were we in 1999 20 uh, were we 23 like 23 yeah yeah, so 23, he struck out on his own and has since become wildly successful. So I've just been holding on to the back of his coattail since then. But um, <laughs> we've been like friends since we were kids. And he's married to my best friend, Stevie, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago or month. I don't even know what, what is time anymore. Months ago. 
She um, who will not be named. That's right. Chrissy's arch nemesis. <laughs> um, but you might know. Which some I guess means that, that I am the Ethan Hawk and you're <gasps> Mike and Stiller of this, this, this situation. Oh, I got I need to process that. Yeah. That's a lot. um so let's see so some of aaron's notable shows so i'm sure you've seen on tv the jellies ugly americans wonder shows in super jail um just did this really awesome show on snap called death hacks um and has a feature that he's been working on for a while called drunkie that stars sam rockwell in the, the titular role Sam Rockwell and uh, uh, Nina Ariando and uh, who else we got? John Leguizamo and Steve uh, Coogan, all kinds of great people. Yeah, so Aaron is- labor of love that's going to take 50 years to multiply. Well, that's That's great. But it's a very exciting film. Yeah. And then what are you working on now? You have a couple of things that are coming out. Yeah, I'm just wrapping. We actually literally delivered today. Um, I did uh, an animated series adaptation of the Headspace meditation app. So uh, Headspace meditation app uh, is now going to be a Netflix series. And we animated uh, a few episodes of that, which is really, really fun. um, Because it was, it's one of the rare like non comedic things that I've done. And it's very uh, conceptual and visualizing uh, consciousness and meditation, and that's pretty pretty exciting. So that's actually we are just finishing it now, and it's going to be uh, premiering on New Year's Day, 2021. They they put this on the fast track because we're all completely out of our minds and need uh, a little meditation uh, in our lives. So I think it's going to be very successful. So I think the idea is everyone's going to wake up uh, New Year's Day, hung New Year's over, resolution, hung over from 2020, and like have a nice fresh start for their show. So yeah, that's so that's a big one that's coming out. And then we just um, started production on a new show for Adult Swim called Teenage Euthanasia, and that's uh, it's a it's a comedy about a mother and daughter that run a funeral home, and it's starring Maria Bamford and Joe Firestone and Tim Robinson and a bunch of cool people. We have some great guest stars, and yeah, we just started that. So we'll be finishing that in about like eight months. Wow. It was busy, busy, busy. I mean, the thing is about the pandemic is that it's, uh, you know, animation has been never busier. So that's like the one silver lining to this nightmare we're all going through for me. For animators. uh, For animators, uh, that a lot of the live action shows got canceled and then the animated shows uh are, are getting getting greenlit so we've been busy we've been very very busy so, that's good yeah i'm glad that someone's doing well aren't you <laughs> wasn't it nice? i am i'm so happy with my friend i'm like wow look look at that doing doing what you've always wanted to do at 23 was like i'm out of this corporate bullshit and then went on his own way and then became wildly successful if you remember i started at mtv my first job was in viacom yeah which your husband has done a lot of work at and i was pretty quickly aware that like that couldn't be the rest of my life. You know what I mean? It was just, there yeah. was a vibe there. What that looks like now, I'm going to self listeners. Anne, I am so proud of all the success you've had in your life in the entertainment industry. There you go. There you go. Look at that, everybody. That's a, a bona fide success. Um, so we so this is, so you know what we brought Aaron on for? So everybody knows, and by everyone, I mean the uh, scores of listeners that we have. We've been doing the month of I December. I think you guys are too self-deprecating about your listeners. I know well, a lot of people that, that listen to this show and it's the a numbers. great show. 
I listen to them all the time. You have big guests. It's, it's, it's a great show. Thank you, Aaron. Wow, look at that, Chrissy. It's great. Oh, it's, right. it's engaging. You talk about the things I want to hear. I, I, right now, you're my entire news source. Oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> it's just news about birds and right. Russian sex dolls. That's all. That's the only thing I know about. That's all, that's all you really need to know about. Yeah, that's, that's all, all I know. That's all you need. I didn't know about the pandemic till this morning. I just made the mistake of relying on you for news. Uh oh. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, but we, so all this month, we've been showcasing holiday themed movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we did holiday and we took a little break and then we did um, Christmas in Palm Springs starring Patrick Muldoon. Yeah, of course. By the way, we're still, while we're recording this and you won't hear this till later, we are in the midst of the 12 days of Muldoon. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I hope everyone's participating. But, um, yes. Because it's a delight. It's a delight. I'm not sure even Muldoon's family. How dare you? I mean, I will say, Chrissy, I, I, don't, I know you're encouraging her, but no one understands her obsession with Patrick Muldoon. I would call it a psychosis. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of psychosis, our big Christmas Eve pick yes. is, is quite a film. And it is a Christmas film, albeit disturbing. Hmm. But it's Christmas Evil from 1980. It also was listed under You Better Watch Out. But this is a film that Aaron watches with his studio every yeah. year. This is like a oh. tradition. But this, this is my year, choice, not theirs. Yeah, his choice. He's I make them do it every year. Although it, I, I find it fun. I hope they don't hate me for it. But I, it's my favorite uh, Christmas movie. I think I genuinely think it's a great film. And uh, we watch it every year. We, we sit down at lunch and we watch the whole movie. And it's always fun. And I'm tell, I, I think... I've seen Christmas Evil more times than I've ever seen any other movie. No. Yeah, any definitely. Movie? I, I mean, I've watched this movie like 25 times. So like, and I don't know a lot of, and I'm talking about movies that I just really love. Like I, I still, I don't know if I've seen, like literally sat down from beginning to end and watched it. I mean, there's movies like like Goodfellas, like you've seen like clips every time it's on I've TV. seen Overboard at least 150 times. At least. Well, that's more disturbing than Christmas Evil. I, I don't know well, about that. Well, the theme is pretty disturbing. It's it's dark. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Let's dark. just say if Kurt Russell wasn't playing the lead and it was like Billy Bob Thornton, we might have a whole different movie. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. But, but yeah, I, so it's my favorite Christmas movie. And every year I watch it. And every year I, I see new things in it. Really? So let's let's dissect it, shall we? Okay. Yes. Now, Chrissy, you always do a lot of research. I'm hoping I can <laughs> really does. surprise you with a couple of my fun facts. Oh, good. Well, I think what we should do first, though, I'm all up for fun facts. Perhaps we should just give a very brief overview of the plot because sure. um, I, I don't know. This might be surprising to you, Aaron. I don't know how many people have watched this movie before. I personally had never heard of it. So oh Shocker. It's what they call uh, a cult classic. A cult classic, yes. It is. It's a legit cult classic. It's it a is. cult classic. There's The people that know this movie love it. I, I, I believe John Waters is a big proponent yes, of this movie. He, sure he is. has a screening, I think, maybe on a yearly basis. Uh, it, it's got a lot of great reviews. Uh, I think it's kind of like an 85% Rotten Tomatoes. So the consensus is that people, 85, that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a very popular. It's, it's, a cult, it's a cult classic. And as a person who my career has been spent making cult classics, <laughs> oh, movie that that's no one sees right. but the people that saw them seem to like it 
right. and it doesn't make anyone any money. That's I, I have <laughs> a lot of adoration for cult classes. Well, Aaron, I don't know if you know, but we've made like almost $10, $10 on this podcast. Well, oh, I think we're over that now. Yeah, don't sell us short. We were supposed to toast with champagne after $10. <gasps> You're right. I'll, I'll have to, I'll confirm. I'll confirm. Uh, well, let's just, I'll just give a very, very brief overview of the plot of this movie because yeah, it's fine. not that complicated. So this is the, the story about a young boy who is scarred as a child when he learns that Santa is not real. He is sitting on the, on the, the classic scene of him sitting on the staircase watching Santa uh, come down the chimney, but later on he sneaks back and sees Santa making sexual maneuvers on his mother. Can I stop you right there? Can I just say that first of all, what child, this father went above and beyond what yeah. any father has ever done. He literally did the whole, went down the chimney, yeah. got, ate the cookies, like, None of us know whose father's actually done that. It's a class A father. And maybe the mother asked for cunnilingus for Christmas. And she was just getting her gift early. Anne always wants to jump right to the cunnilingus. Well, who doesn't? No, no comment. Okay. So, uh, okay. So then they fast forward, like, I think it's like 30 years or something. And he's this sort of, um, uh, woe begotten man who works at a toy factory. (laughs) Well, he's really kind of depressed. I think, um, he works at a toy factory. He's very into the toys. Um, and his whole objective in life is to make the Christmas spirit a reality. Uh, of course, I think he's actually paranoid delusional, but, um, he becomes obsessed with the behavior of the children in his neighborhood. He has like a, 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 he literally has a physical book for the nice list and the bad list, naughty list. And, um, and then he starts actually dressing as Santa. He kind of has a mental snap and goes on Christmas Eve on a Yuletide killing spree uh, in which he murders uh, four people. And then as the angry mob is closing in on him holding torches burning yeah torches. actual torches yeah there's an angry mob closing in on him because he's now been on the news sorry they've caught him on the news but there's he's still at large he's running around in this dirty santa suit and he has a van that he has painted a sled on um oh i'm sorry and let me just mention also that his brother realizes that he is the murderer that he's seen on the news and for reasons that we can get into later, because I didn't understand it, starts strangling him to the point where I actually thought he wow. murdered him. Well, but he comes to, and he drives off in his van, uh, being chased by a, a mob of people with torches, and he uh, careens off of a cliff. Uh, you going to spoiler alert the end? No, I don't want a spoiler alert. In case people haven't seen it. I don't know. Maybe we can. I don't know. The ending is... The reason to watch. They've it. had fifty years to watch it, literally, because we're all a hundred years old. Okay, go for it. Well, he careens off. I'll, okay, I'll just say, turn it off now if you don't want to hear the ending. Yeah. Uh, but then come back, please. And uh, <clears throat> he careens off, and just like Santa's sleigh, instead of crashing to his death, he takes off with the moon, and it says, like you know, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. And yes. off, off he goes in his white van. With one image, they give the movie so much depth. It's one of the things I love about the movie. It's a, when it, every time I watch it with people, when you hit that ending, it just it, it makes you re-examine everything you've seen before. It's like it's it's like 
the ending of Citizen Kane, Usual Suspects. The ending informs the rest of the movie. That's a, that was a good synopsis, Chris. Yeah. Let's Thank take you. it from the top, which is, yeah. like I said, I mean, it seemed as though this is, he's just a disturbed kid because he has a pretty good life if the parents are loving. Right. Full. <laughs> routines. Very loving. I mean, that's, you know, I, I loved in this movie, it's just a lot of horny housewives in silk robes. Just, the There's kids aren't even in the room and they're having full sex just in the living room. I would say every couple has a very healthy sexual relationship. The married couples in it. I that's mean, nice they for, just That's are. nice for a horror movie. This isn't like teens in a cabin. This is, these are middle-aged couples. That's nice. In sexy robes. In sexy robes. It's yeah. that the mood, the opening of that movie, I feel like is not totally indicative of the rest of the movie. It's not like a sex movie. It feels like it when it starts. Um, but I think what they're doing is they're just setting up the fact that he had this to him traumatic experience of seeing that Santa's doing something with his mother. It was disturbing and that it, it skewed him for life to make him obsessed with reclaiming the, the innocence of Christmas that he lost in that moment as a child. So that became his lifelong obsession is Christmas is a pure concept uh, that should be observed. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, so it, it starts a little, a little, whenever you start watching with somebody new, they're always like, whoa, what kind of movie is this? It's almost like softcore porn, but that, that kind of, that's just <laughs> I a, wish. That's, a, that's like a, a snakeskin you shed to enter into the depth. You of don't think he ever realized that it was the dad? Um, did he know it was the dad? I think so. Yeah. I think I think he he might have. That might have been a really uh, graphic way of realizing that his father was pretending to be Santa Claus. Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, because as an adult, he knows that his dad wasn't Santa, but he but he believes in. But he believes that Santa is a concept uh, that's important to people. Well, and I will say there also, you do have to suspend reality because when he first watches Santa placing the presents under the tree, Santa does disappear up the chimney, which no dad yeah, can do. Yeah, how did do. he do that? that? That's true. Well, it's, it's from, I mean, it, the entire movie is from his perspective. And, yes. so, and it's an unreliable narrator throughout the entire movie. And that's why I think it comes you know, to, to the fruition in the ending with the van when you realize you're, this whole movie, you're inside of Harry's mind, right? There's no, um, you're never like beyond the fourth wall. It's always, you're, you're in his world, right? So I think that when he saw his dad, I think it, it, was, it was a child's conception of what he was seeing. Yeah, and I think the moment that he saw his parents, that was, I'm agreeing with you, Aaron. I think that was the moment that innocence was lost, and that's what he is spending his life trying, trying to, reclaim. to reclaim. his innocence. I hate to break it to you, Harry. There's way worse <laughs> things to see. Yeah, people think I watch this movie ironically or something. Like, oh, this is, you're being you're being ironic. I'm like, no, no, I love this movie. I genuinely love this movie. I think that's one of the great things about this film is that, and I'm a big horror movie fan. I know Anne is too, so I love horror movies. But most the the the, the driving force of most horror movies is usually like a negativity. It's either revenge, you know, like Freddy Krueger, Jason for revenge, or it's dementia, like a demented person that's killing people. You don't think reason. this guy's demented? 
No, I think I, I think what's interesting about Christmas Evil is that his driving force of the entire movie is his belief in the purity of Christmas. That's what's driving it. He believes that Christmas is a sacred thing that people need to to be good. They need to believe in Santa. They need to be moral. And the problem is where he becomes demented is that he thinks that there's repercussions for being bad that lead him to murder and kill people, right? But in essence, he's truly like a moral person. Yeah, he's all in all, I think, a pretty good guy. He's a good, he's, he's an anti-hero. I, he might even just be a hero. But like, the thing is like, he's, he's fighting for what he believes is right. And I think that's rare in a horror movie. You don't see a lot of horror movies like that. You see that, like, that movie Falling Down was kind of like that. You know what I mean? With Where it was all, like, Michael Dow- Douglas's mission to make the world right. You know, Dirty Harry was kind of like that. But, like, you don't see it that much in horror movies. He's a movies. Santa vigilante is what you're saying. Because it's interesting because it, it kind of tricks you. Because you start with that weird kind of pornographic scene. And then you immediately go into these scenes of him, like, binoculars leering at children, right? Yeah, yeah. you do think oh, he's kind of some kind of perv. You're like, what kind of movie is it? It's so gross. And then as you go, you realize that like he like really he's he's wonderful with children. He's actually quite sweet with children. And Not with Moss goes, Garcia. Take well, it Moss, Moss he Garcia. doesn't like. He, but he, he only scares him. But like if you look at the look at the end, like when it really ramps up when we're at the end, and the little girl when the knife falls, and the little girl <laughs> oh, yeah. the knife, and her dad is like, give me that knife, give me that knife, and she gives it to him because he yeah. is a better father figure to her than the dad is well right? that guy was a piece of shit that dad <laughs> that was a that was a very strange scene i have to say i love that, that scene a, yeah because... she's like fuck off dad i'm gonna let this guy stab you right in the stomach which he does oh he doesn't kill him though but he does stab him the dad he actually doesn't he, i think he just nicks him at that point yeah and then he yeah. gets stabbed in the face Do you... but i the thing that i would say is i think that his um that his definition of people's bad behavior is on the scale of sinning is so low i think that's where he falls down i'm like a little boy looking at penthouse is not a reason to punish him like he also kept calling him a braggart which i saw on all of the pages (laughs) everyone was a braggart on the floor um well that's what's great about it chrissy is like it holds a mirror up to what we're teaching children about christmas right because we still do that stuff right and it's yeah. like, and the idea is you watch this going like, wow, we're the ones that are demented because he's actually following it by the letter. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's doing exactly what they say you're supposed to do. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't, you know, do a, don't, don't have impure thoughts. And you realize that if there really was a Santa Claus, he would be a demented weirdo that's watching <laughs> us doing stuff, right? Yeah. And judging us for it and, and having repercussions where it's like, oh, I'm going to, and I'm going to punish you, right? So it's like it's obviously an allusion to religion and God and Christianity and all that stuff, and I think it's fascinating because I, I think it says more about us than it says about him as this kind of like lone gunman. Here's a question: When he, why doesn't he try to grow his own beard? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I, oh, I'm like he's clean shaven. You think he he's he really loves Santa so much? You, I would think he would want to start to physically embody. I think that I, I one of the things I think about this movie. It's it. I think the best comp for this movie is actually Taxi Driver. It reminds me a lot of Taxi Driver, and I yeah. think that like transformation is a really important part of that kind of character. Like like when when you know De Niro 
you know, when he shaved the mohawk and starts yeah. dressing in camo, it's that moment when you say like, okay, they've dipped to the other side, right? Like they've taken it too far. So I think that the transformation is like an important part of the movie because you see there's that point because you're right, if he grew the beard- when he's pulling he, on the beard when he's like- At the point when he glues it, he puts a like permanent glue on himself. Yeah. And then he, and he realizes he can't take it off anymore. Yeah. And he has that scene of him laughing in the mirror. That's yeah. important to his character. Because that's I, what he says, there's no going back, right? It's like when right. you get a face tattoo. I've, I've made a certain decision in my life that there's no going back. <laughs> do you want a fun fact now, Chrissy? I'm hoping to surprise you. Yeah, yes. Okay, do you know the famous, okay, so Brandon Maggart plays Harry Stadling in this he's the lead actor uh he has a very famous daughter did you oh, know that no i do his daughter is fiona apple the singer oh really and i'll i'll do you one better oh. and did you know this do you know fiona apple's real name fiona maggart her so her dad's name is brandon maggart fiona apple's real name is mcafee maggart well that's upsetting that's a burden you got you got to go ahead and change that. so that's a good fun fact the other fun fact is is more personal so the reason why i know about this movie at all is because uh my wife used to work at a bar called royale in park slope and one of the, my friends at the bar another regular at the bar was a guy named andy fenwick and he was also the dj he would dj at the bar and he i was drinking with him one night and he and he was like well you know one thing is i used to be a child actor when i was little i used to act in movies like b movies I said, what movies were you? And he goes, I made a movie called Christmas Evil. I had never heard of it. I was like, what's that? He goes, you've never seen it? He goes, I'll give you a copy. He gave me like a bootleg copy of it. And that was where I first saw it and just became obsessed with it. So Andy Fenwick, he plays the brother, uh, uh, Philip. His son is, is my friend, Andy. The little kid in there that's like, uh -huh. Watching TV. Like I'm watching the parade. Yeah, that's him. And he was uh, my uh, Stevie and my uh, wedding DJ. Look at that. Look at that, Chrissy. I got lots yeah. of fun facts, Chrissy, because you always have the good fun facts. So I wanted to one up you. I do. I do have some fun facts, but and that means that you probably danced to a record that he played. Yes, that's true. I sure did. And was at my wedding. See, this is this is zero degrees of separation. I gave the speech. Evil. Fun fact about Stevie and Aaron's wedding: I gave a speech and was heckled. She got heckled. There was a lot of drunks at my wedding because my wife and I drink a lot and all our friends are drunks and people were heckling it. <laughs> and I literally, funny. in the middle of the speech, was like, am I seriously fucking getting heckled by somebody? <laughs> yeah. This is a wedding. <laughs> this is a wedding. I have to say, Anne, I won't, I won't go off on a tangent, but you and I have that in common. I gave a speech at my friend's wedding and got heckled as well. You did? Yeah, drinking weddings. It's it's all bets are off at a wedding. Um. Well, yes, and I will say I have I have a few fun facts, but one of them we've already mentioned. John Waters recommends this movie as his favorite Christmas themed film. Mm -hmm. Also, this was the um, film premiere or debut, I guess, for Patricia Richardson of Home Improvement fame. Oh yeah. She plays Moss Garcia's mother who yells at him to get in the car. And let's see, if this movie was 1980, Home Improvement was like 1990, so like 10 years later. She looks the same, though. And she's got that great scene where she slaps Moss. She beats the shit out of Moss Garcia. That was surprising. I didn't see that being the conclusion of that interaction. Isn't that great when he covers his face in mud and kisses Moss's house just to mark it so he knows to give him coal later? Did you catch that? He's my favorite character, Moss Garcia. Moss? You like Moss? Yeah. Or Moss? I like that he's 
want, all he wanted was a lifetime subscription to Penthouse magazine. <laughs> Did you catch that the Penthouse he was reading is uh, the uh, Debbie Harry issue? No, I didn't catch that. I wasn't staring closely at the Penthouse magazine. Wait, did Debbie Harry pose nude in Penthouse? I think that era, they, there was that era like pornography in the 80s where they would like, they got like Madonna, they got like, they would get yeah. like old modeling they shots. They buy like their old pictures. Oh, 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 that's not. And that's why Chris Smith Evil is kind of a misnomer. People think it's about like a murderous Santa. That's not exactly what it's about. Well, Santa, let me just say, Santa does kill four people in this movie. Well, they yes. were asking for it, kind but of. But I think all of them in their own way deserve it. Well, this goes back to the bad. See, this is what I would say when you're saying the bad list. One of the guys yeah. that he killed, his his big sin was that he duped uh, he Harry into covering his shift. I don't know that that's a capital punishment crime. Well, I mean, in any movie, you're within the moral structure of the main character. And in this world, <laughs> it, that's a punishable sin by death. To well, by death. But, but to, to, the, to, to the, uh, the world of Santa. Um, I did see one. This is just a viewer review. This guy says, this is a strange film. <laughs> it has good acting, yet bad editing. And one longs to fast forward it. Oh. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong with a low. I actually think the editing is brilliant. There's some real cool jump cuts, and everybody knows jump cuts are bad unless they're not. And all the greats use jump cuts. Hitchcock uses jump cuts. <laughs> all the it's greats. jarring. It works. And the, the, if you remember, there's a great jump cut right in the, big, the beginning. I don't know. I don't notice look, jump cuts. I don't even don't know. Jump when it's abrupt, there's a scene. In the I know what a jump cut is. I'm just saying, I'm not like, ooh, like that unnoted, noted in my mind. Well, I will, I will add that this, again, who knows who this viewer is and who cares, but he does say by the time it's over, one is curiously moved. It's, that's true. It's, very, it's, it's a curiously moving movie. I mean, he, I think it is the credit for the acting because he's so, the you, acting is you great. feel for him and you know, yeah. and, and, and by the way, the brother, Jeffrey Who DeMunn, is that guy? He's in Jeffrey everything. Jeffrey uh, of Walking Dead fame. He played, I think he was, was he, uh, I can't remember the name of his character on Walking Dead, but he was the old guy on Walking Dead. He, he was? was he was in The Hitcher. He was in The Green Mile. He's a great, yeah, he's, he's in of, everything. He's like, I, you know, I got, I got a real love for these unsung character actors that are just in like a ton of movies of just working actors. And he's like always great in everything. And people don't even know his name, but what did he stop acting? Brandon Maggard is because he's not, a, is he? I don't, what Brandon else? Brandon Maggard, he, I think he got typecast. He kept playing Santa a little bit. He <laughs> was in a, um, He's actually in, you'd like this, and he was in an, they didn't, they made an episode of ER specifically about Christmas Evil. They did? He, yeah, because they love, the makers of ER loved it so much. There's an episode, he plays a character called Stan Claus, who, if I remember really? correctly, is, he thinks he's Santa Claus. He's in the hospital because he thinks he's Santa Claus. Oh, I don't, I mean, you know what, I could have seen that for all I know, and I but wouldn't he was have. in either. ER, and then uh, he was also, you'd like this, and he was a, he was in Knott's Landing. Oh, Brandon that. He was in Knott's Landing. He was he he guested on I think uh, Who's the Boss, uh, and most notably, this is the craziest. He was a regular on Sesame Street in the late seventies. He was he really? a character named Sesame Buddy. If I don't remember that. Brandon Maggard Sesame Street. He was on I think like over thirty episodes. I don't remember that Sesame at all. Street. He was a guy with a kind of a pork pie hat. 
uh, he, I think he might have been a hobo or something, but like <laughs> I, I remember when I found that out, I was like, oh, because I was like obsessed with Sesame Street. Well, everybody Street. watched Sesame Street, but I don't remember him. Yeah, he was on Sesame Street. So, so after that, I think he, he kind of, they, they would, a lot of horror movies would use him. So I, I don't think he did too much notable. The one that I, I find the most puzzling is the, the director, Lewis Jackson. He never made another movie. Well, when, oh. you, when you've done perfection, why? That's right. You go, I'm done here. I'm done. Well, I did read that uh, the director, Lewis Jackson, came up with the idea for the film after smoking marijuana one night and seeing a vision <laughs> of Santa Claus holding a knife. I got to know, Chrissy, are you going to reveal whether or not you like the movie or not? Oh, well, we have to. Well, listen, we have to do uh, on the scale of um, Van Dien to Muldoon. I'm sorry. To, I got to tell you. Your obsession with Muldoon, I don't understand it. I'm not saying that Patrick Muldoon is the best actor in the world. His I'm hair is the most interesting that. thing about him. That's what Chrissy said the other day. Yeah. I will say I'm fascinated by his hair. I just find him likable. Is Why is his hair, but now this is my wife's joke, and I think it's your joke, but why is his hair hover above his head? <laughs> That's what I, that is what That's I said. CNN. That's what I said. You know what, my, my theory on his hair is that he still has such thick, lustrous locks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and the problem is it's it's he still puts product in it but it's like right. a little bit too long to like right. do any kind of spike so instead it just kind of gives volume okay i think he's 100 percent bald he is not no way it's kind of like old ladies with the bouffant right? yeah exactly Something i think he just, has, there's a lot of air in there a lot of volume <laughs> is my working theory well one day we'll meet him and we'll find out You're, Got that straight. As you run your hand through his hair, yeah, and then it when comes... I run my hands through his hair, I'll tell you if it's real or not. I think Dune will do the show. <laughs> oh, I hope so. He'll yeah, that's the goal. That's we have we have small goals in life. Oh, that's a big goal though. That's, yeah, a, that's, big a, goal. that's a, that's a big goal. That's a big goal. <clears throat> yeah, that's a huge goal. Um, all right. Well, I will say, did I like this movie? I, here's what I said to my daughter. I said, this is definitely a movie that Anne picked, and and <laughs> and I say that with love for Anne, but. Uh, would I have ever watched this movie? No, I don't. And I also, I will say this: I don't like horror movies, so I was, I was afraid, but then it was fine. Like there wasn't anything like super scary about it. The eyeball piercing. Oh, that is a little jarring because oh, you yeah. see that coming. Yeah. I get more scared like when people are jumping out, like you know th that kind of thing. I, I believe that scene with the toy soldier stabbing the eye is a reference to uh, the uh, the Great Boonwell surrealist film. Oh, brother. <laughs> And I, I have a theory that the scenes where he's being chased are a, a Frankenstein. shot for shot, an illusion. Well, there's Frankenstein with the torches. But I actually think he's referencing uh, M, the great German expressionist film M. Do you really? I he's, like, he's, like, he's like, channel your inner Peter Lorre, Maggart. I, I, it's a great scene. Have you, have you, have you, you've seen M, right? Andy? Yeah, I have it. I own, I own the Criterion Collection. <laughs> What's funny is like I I knew I knew Peter Lorre. I always thought he was a Warner Brothers cartoon character. Because oh, I, I mean, I, why would I have seen M? You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I think I went to college, went to art school, and I saw M, and I was like, oh, that's a real guy. <laughs> and like, oh, save me, oh, oh, save me. Like that. He was in Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> well, I have to say, somehow when we were discussing uh, Christmas in Palm Springs, we didn't make these kinds of comparisons. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. I don't think Louise. <laughs> Uh, Boonwell. This came is a up. deep movie. Don't let it fool you. It is a very deep movie. Well, I love I love this podcast. I always I always enjoy hearing it, and uh, I'm really happy to be a part of it. 
Well, this was a thrill. Aaron, do you want to pl- plug your social medias? We have to start doing this, Chrissy, now that we're having yeah. like real guests. The, I no know. offense, I no know offense my, other guests. I don't but even like, know what my Instagram is. Well, I mean, the big one is go, go to augenblickstudios.com. That's A-U-G-E-N-B-L-I-C-K-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. And everything is there. You can see our cartoons. You can see there's links to our Instagram, our, our Twitter, all that stuff's there. And watch on New Year's Day. Watch. Yeah, watch out for Headspace is coming out soon. If yes. you have Snapchat, please check out Death Hacks. It's uh, really funny. You can it has watch it on the, the Discover. If you just swipe right, not left, you swipe right, you'll see all these great things. And you do a search for Death Hacks. It's a show that I created and uh wrote uh here in brooklyn right before the pandemic i'm very proud of it and uh check that out for sure and snapchat's easy to do because i'm old and the only reason i would use it is for the filters and make you look younger but i figured out how to do it and it's very easy if you're scared if you're scared to download it oh i just looked it up my uh instagram is just augenbook studios at augenbook studios Okay. And there you have it, ladies and gents. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. 2021 is going to be great. I got nothing but optimism for the new year. Me we too. got vaccines out there. They're, they're, they're coming out. It's going to be a good year. Only Brandon Maggart could be, could deliver us all the vaccine in that white van. <laughs> if only they would enlist the help of Brandon Maggart, of Harry Stadling. Harry Stadling could, could deliver everyone. But only, only to the good boys and girls. That's right. Sorry. I will put away my penthouse magazine. <laughs> you can't see it. And I'll say, come on in, Harry. You want it, You want it, some cookies? And I'll roll yes. up my sleeve. What a sacrifice Anne is making to put away her penthouse magazine. <laughs> well, I got the, life, the lifetime subscription. Just like Garcia. You don't want it to go to waste. <laughs> That's right. True. Merry Christmas, Anne. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Bye. Bye. And that was a good guest you got. I know, right? I thoroughly enjoyed um, the passion that he brought to Christmas Evil. <laughs> the passion of it all. I know. Look, I, I had no, I, I just enjoyed it. I didn't really notice the nuances, <laughs> no. the slang nuances, but um, uh. it's a fun movie. And if you want to watch it, everybody i mean it's i think it's all over the place like i watched it on shutter we have that app oh. shutter but i think it's on you watch it on showtime right yes under uh, as we said earlier uh, under the name uh you better watch out yeah so you can find it anywhere so after you listen to this put on christmas evil gather the kids around <laughs> with the eggnog with the with the big bowl of lukewarm eggnog <laughs> And then go, why am I feeling sick? Is it because I just saw a man get stabbed in the eye or was it the nog? Yeah, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. <laughs> um, all right, Anne. Well, that was really fun. And uh, we're going to have one more, one more episode before we wrap up 2020. Before we get out of this hell, I don't even know what the word is. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> Awful year. But you yeah, know what, Chrissy, at least we had this podcast to keep us occupied for this year. We did. There are good things that come out of, uh, yeah. well, just like the Black Santa story. There are good things that come out of bad That's situations. Right. We're bringing joy to tens of people. Tens, tens of people. And according to Aaron, many more than that. That's right. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Um, <laughs> all right, Anne. Well, so good. So good to spend this time with you and, uh, 
See you next week. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yay, Christmas. Outrageous, I'm out of my body. Outrageous, I'm out of party. Outrageous, I'm a sexy genius.